0: This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening
1: Today's scripture reading is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 17 to chapter 6 verse 23. If you need a physical Bible, just raise your hand and our welcomer will bring one to you. Uh, we, have, we usually have them on our left and right side um, I love physical Bibles because no matter how you swipe left or swipe right, you still get God's Word. So if you need a physical Bible, just raise your hand and we'll get one to you. This uh, morning, we'll be getting our sister, Jenny. We'll be reading the passage to us and after that, Pastor Nick Wong will be explaining God's Word to us.
2: Okay, hello everybody. So I'll be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17. To chapter 6, verse 23. Chapter 5, verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Raphaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Chapter 6, verse 1. David again brought together all the young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day the place is called Perez-Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Abed Edom, the Gittite. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has, because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen effort, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. As the Ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when he saw king david leaping and dancing before the lord she despised him in her heart they brought the ark of the lord and set it in its place inside the tent that david had pitched for it and david sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the lord after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings he blessed the people in the name of the lord almighty then He gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death this is the word of god
0: thanks be to god thank you genevieve for
3: reading the passage for us let's pray
0: heavenly father the four heavenly creatures cry out unceasingly holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come as we reflect on your word please give us a glimpse of your glory today that we may join in all creation, in praising you, in our attitudes, in our actions, all to bring glory to your name, in Jesus' name, Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today we are looking at Second uh, Samuel chapter five, verse seventeen to the end of chapter six. I wanted to share with you about this podcast that I listen to. It's called Faith in Kids, uh, the parents' podcast. So those of you who are parents here, you can listen to it. Also, it's good for uh, it's helpful for children 's ministry leaders to hear uh, what the parents think. Okay, so I heard about so in, this, in one of these podcasts, a, par- a family was sharing about their experience uh, in reading a Bible at home. Uh, so they were going through this material, and for, in this material, for each activity, there's usually an activity for them to remember the Bible lesson better. So maybe there's a baking, a baking activity or a craft activity or sometimes uh, an illustration. And there's one lesson that was particularly memorable, involved going through a lesson and then lighting a candle. It's memorable because unfortunately that day, an accident happened and that candle became a fire in the house. Thankfully, uh, no one was hurt, but they remembered that lesson very well. Now, Fire can be used for many things. A little fire can light a room, can light your birthday cake. A little more can cook your lunch. Uh, But a big forest fire can hurt people and damage buildings just like this week in Maui. We need to know what fire is like so that we will not be hurt. And more importantly than fire, we need to know what God is like. And when we know what God is like, we can relate to him properly. You see, if we get God wrong, if we understand him wrongly, then our lives are in danger. But if we get God right, then there is great blessing. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to find out how to approach God. So the passage reveals three things about God and how to approach Him. So God is near, God is holy, and God is merciful. First, God is near, so we approach Him through prayer and the word. So 2 Samuel, chapter 5, verse 17, says, when the, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel. Now the previous king over God's people was Saul, and King Saul died. And we saw last week's passage, chapter 2 to chapter 5, and God installed David as the new king over his people. And the Philistines, who were they? They were the powerful enemy nation. They were just." and they kept coming in to Israel. I wonder whether in this passage the Israelites felt scared facing the Philistines for the first time since the Philistines killed their previous king and defeated the army. And this was David's first battle as the newly uh, installed king. Could the new king lead his forces to victory? Let's look at verse 18. Now, the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Raphaim. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines or will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal-Parazim and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal-Parazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there and David and his men carried them off. So the Philistines approaching, David approached God to inquire of him. David asked God what to do. And God gave David the instructions, gave him his, the word that he would deliver the Philistines into his hands. David trusted God's word, went and defeated. And he defeated the Philistines and won. In verse 20, David called the place baal Perazim. Now, if you if you look at your Bibles, you notice in verse twenty, some of your Bibles will have this: I have a footnote that says "Baal Perazim means the Lord who breaks out. The Lord breaks out." So every time God's people pass by this place, they remember that this is the place that God broke out against their enemies. Now the Philistines they refused to accept defeat, so they came to the same place at the same valley to attack again. And David again approached God to ask what to do. And verse twenty three to verse twenty four. God's word for David was to attack from the back, to attack instead from the front, but now a different direction. And and David trusted God's word. So again, David defeated the Philistines. Now that's different from the previous king, King Saul. So if you have followed us, been with us through the 1st and 2nd Samuel, you realize that Saul hardly sought the Lord. In fact, the last time he saw the Lord, in the last battle, he only did that because the Philistines look scary. They're too strong. And that time was too late. God was silent for Saul. So the Philistines killed him and routed Israel. Now here, David saw the Lord. And God answered David with his word. This shows that God is near David. and God, uh, David can speak to God in prayer and hear from him from his word and trust his word. Friends, you and I can speak to God in prayer and hear from God, from his word too. And for us today, perhaps you might need to make a decision. Uh, and you want to make the most God-honouring position, decision. So like David, we can pray to God for help, and then we read God's word to see what God is saying. And we also have each other, we have our brothers and sisters, that God has given us to teach one another. And together, we can discern what's the best choice based on the options you have. And we know that God will speak to us because God is near us. God is near us because Jesus has died on the cross to close that distance between us and God. Jesus came to fix our relationship with God when we trust in him. So the God of the universe is near you. He's near you, he hears you when you pray. I came across this prayer that has helped me uh, in trusting God, in making decisions. This is is how the prayer goes. Dear God, help me not to be a coward. Help me to make the decision that is best, not the one that is easiest. Keep me from making a decision out of fear or laziness. Help me to get all the information I need to make this decision. Get me talking to the right person, reading the right book or blog, understanding the right Bible passage. Help me see the implications of this decision clearly Help me to articulate the reasons why I feel this is right. Amen. So it's good for God's people to approach God through prayer. And David wanted to be close to God, to approach God, to inquire of God regularly. So he made plans uh, to move this thing called the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant closer to him. Now the, the Ark of the Covenant is a special box uh, that represents... God's presence. And he, David wants to move this ark close to him. So in this passage, God, David will learn that yes, God is near but God is also holy. So David must approach this holy God with obedience and reverence. Let's look at verse 1. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel. 30,000! And he and all his men went to Beulah in Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. This, and we see in the passage in verse 2, the box represents God's throne on earth. So God's people can live together with God. Now the previous king, King Saul, didn't bother seeking God, so he didn't have this ark close by. But David wanted to keep seeking God, just like he did with the Philistines. So David wanted to have God close by. Then in verse 3, uh, they put the ark on a new cart and they brought it to Jerusalem. Or maybe this was like the latest Mercedes S-Class carts for a smooth ride and luxurious ride for the ark. And this was a joyous occasion. You Look at, look at what verse 5 says. You see what they, do, what they did in verse 5? Verse 5 David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, systems, and cymbals. And it must have been a grand procession loud music, loud singing, lots of singing. It's something like uh, our NDP uh, this week. But this, this this celebration here was sincere. You see, David really wanted to inquire of God, people really wanted God to be with them. But they approached God wrongly. You see, God gave instructions on carrying the ark. And one pastor summarized it as this. No touch, no look, no cut. Okay, so no touch. Uh, Exodus chapter 25, verse 14 says, Insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. So the way to carry it is you hold, to the, you hold on to the poles. You do not touch the ark. No look. Numbers chapter 4. This is the work of the Kohathites at the tent of meeting. The care of the most holy things. When the camp is to move, Aaron and his sons are to go in and take down the shielding curtain, put it over the Ark of the Covenant law. Then they are to cover the curtain with a durable leather, spread a cloth of blue over it, and put the poles in place. So they cover the Ark with a curtain so they cannot see the Ark. No cart. Numbers chapter 7. But Moses did not give the, to any, of, any to the Kohathites because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. So they were supposed to carry the ark on the shoulders, not by a cart. So no look, no touch, no look, no cart. But in 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 3, the people put the ark on a cart. Now on top of that, for those of, those of us who are familiar with this, the story in 1st Samuel, you realize that in 1st Samuel chapter 5, the Philistines thought they also put the Ark on the cart. So what happened is, they thought, the Philistines thought they defeated God when they managed to capture the Ark. But the Ark of God brought disease and death on them. So the Philistines, they wanted to get rid of the Ark. What they did is they put the Ark on a cart with cows pulling it. And they let the cows pull it to Israel's territory. So David, what he did is, he didn't follow God's specific and clear instructions on, on transporting the ark. Plus, he put the ark on a cart like God's enemies. So David and Israel, they are behaving like God's enemies. So they will experience God's judgment like God's enemies. Verse 6. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the Ark of God. The oxen with the cart stumbled. Now, perhaps Uzzah thought that the Ark was in danger of falling off. So he reached out his hand to stop it. Now, maybe Uzzah meant well. Uh, verse seven says the Lord struck him dead, and in verse eight they call this place Perez Uzzah. Or the your Bible says in the footnote that says this is break out against Uzzah. just as God broke out against the Philistines in chapter five verse twenty. Here God broke out against Uzzah. Uzzah is now God's enemy. Israel has become God's enemy. In verse eight. David got angry that the Lord struck Uzzah. Now maybe David thought, this is not fair. I mean, David put a lot of effort into this event. Verse 1, 30,000 men, uh, fighting soldiers, went with the ark. And verse 5, all Israel praised God with all their might. And Uzzah was just trying to stop the ark from stumbling. So Why kill Uzzah? now god was right to strike Uzzah down you see david and israel had disobeyed god by putting the ark on a cart and just now uh, uncle uncle Yen was telling me well, to to help us understand what's going on in first samuel better First second second sorry second samuel better sometimes you can look at first chronicles to understand another perspective of the situation so what we see there is yes david didn't 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 uh, tell the people to, to follow God's word to, to, use, to use Levites to carry the ark. But secondly, the Levites themselves kept silence when they, they used a the cart. So two fail says failed. And they put Uzzah in this impossible situation to get out of when U, the, the oxen stumbled. So Uzzah will either touch the ark and die, or let the ark fall. That's the, the, the wrong way to approach the holy God is to disobey Him. The huge procession with fervent singing couldn't couldn't mask their disobedience. And for us, when we disobey God, if we're living in active disobedience to God, no matter how loud we sing, no matter how well we sing, our melodious praises are like mosquito buzzing in God's ears. We must approach the Holy God with obedience. That's the first reason why it's right for God to strike Uzzah down. The second reason why it was right for God to strike Uzzah down is this. No sinful man can touch the throne of the Holy God, can dare to lay a hand on the throne of the Holy God. You see, there's no one pure and holy like God. The pure and holy cannot mix with the sinful and unholy. Now what what does holy mean? Holy means that God is in a separate category from us. So when, the, when God, in this separate category, when the holy God mixes with the unholy humanity, with the sinful humanity, what happens is God's holy wrath must act in judgment. But just as the book of Hebrews says chapter, in chapter 12, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, because, for our God is a consuming fire. We must approach God with reverence, with awe, with obedience. Because God can strike people down. God can burn us up, even in the New Testament. You see, in Acts chapter 5, he warns us about these two characters, Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira, who bought some land. So what they, they sold some land. And what they did is, with the money, they, gave part, they kept part of it and gave the rest to the church. Now, it's a good thing to give, mon- to give money, to the church for gospel work, for more people to hear about Jesus. What they did wrong is this. They lied to God. When they gave the money, they said, this is the money that we sold the the land for. And what happened to them? God struck both of them down. And even if there's no judgment in this life for hypocrisy, Jesus warns us of judgment in the life to come. You see, listen to what these people have done for Jesus on that day. This is what Jesus talks about in the, on, on the day of judgment. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out many demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now Uzzah might have thought that the ark of God is in danger of falling unless he disobeyed, sacrificed himself and touched the ark. Like Uzzah, we might think that God's kingdom is in danger unless we disobey him. So maybe we serve him without prayer. Or maybe we serve him without caring for our family. Or we serve him without watching our own spiritual growth. Friends, the ark of God is never in danger. You see, God defeated the Philistines with the ark. Moreover, who is God? God is powerful. He keeps the universe going. He orders day and night. This is his ark. He will care for it. In the same way, God will protect. God will grow his kingdom. The kingdom of God is never in need of our rescue. When we disobey God for his kingdom, we act like Uzzah. We take hold of God's throne. And we deserve judgment from a holy God. God is holy and we must approach him with obedience and reverence. Today we're trying to find out how to approach this God. And the way we do that is we find out what God is like. So we saw that God is near, so we approach Him in prayer and the word. But though God is near, God is also holy. So, and since God is holy, we must, we must obey Him, we must revere Him. And next we see that though God is holy, God is also merciful. And because God is merciful, we can approach Him with humility
3: and rejoicing. Now,
0: In verse 9, I would like you to notice David's fear. Chapter 6, verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? So how can God, how can David approach the Holy God safely? God is a consuming fire. He is dangerous. What if David brought the ark to the city and David sinned against God? Would God strike David down? Now David didn't know. But David wasn't taking the risk to bring the ark to his city to endanger himself. So in verse 10, he just left it at Obed-Edom's house. And three months later, in verse 12, David heard that Obed-Edom was okay. God didn't strike him down. Instead, God blessed Obed-Edom because the ark was with him. And this shows that somehow, God has shown great mercy to bless them. Surely, Obed-Edom and his his family could not have remained sinless for three months. Could not have been perfect for three months. Despite their sin, God blessed them. So David realized that God is holy, yes. But God is also merciful and he wants to bless his people. So in verse 12, he tries to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Now, I don't think David knew exactly how God could be merciful to him. But we do. We know how. This is where Jesus helps us. In 2 Corinthians 5, this is what Paul says. God made him, this Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when the righteous Jesus died on the cross... Jesus took the judgment for our sins, took our guilt, so that we will no longer be guilty before God, and not just that.
3: So that we can receive mercy
0: from God. So God is merciful. God is merciful, so David tried to bring the ark to Jerusalem. Now, let's look at verse 12 to 15 again. As we do that, see if you can spot some things that are different from
3: the first time. Verse 12, now
0: the Lord has blessed uh, the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went, up to bring, went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of God had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. For he and all Israel will bring up the, the, bring up the ark of, of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. So what are some differences? First, David made sacrifices to God after those carrying the ark made six steps. So maybe this is to thank God that, thank God for preserving them, uh, for, uh, for, for carrying the ark, and to consecrate the journey also to, to Jerusalem. The second, we also notice that it's people carrying the ark. They're no longer using the cart. So now, God's people, David, they are now obeying God. But the focus of the passage is on the dancing king. Not young and sweet, and surely not 17. Now, King David wore an ephod uh, like the priest. He, is not like, he wasn't wearing his usual royal robes. He was dancing to the Lord with all his might. To welcome God into his city. So David danced and the people carried the ark from from Obed Edom's house all the way to uh, Jerusalem. Now the ark came into Jerusalem, the King of Glory has entered. Open open up your lift up your heads, you gates. Open up your ancient doors. That the King of Glory may come in. That's what he says in Psalm 24. It's it's, it's supposed to be a time of great rejoicing. But we see in our passage that there are two reactions to the ark coming in. The first is Michael's reaction in verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when he saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. David, leaping and dancing to the Lord, was shameful for the king. So instead of focusing on the king of glory coming in, he sees David and she thinks, this is a king of shame. Perhaps she thought, oh, what's that smelly shepherd David wearing? My, my father, King Saul, always wore his royal robes. And this, this, is a, this dancing, this is not royal behaviour. This is shameful. Who's going to follow this shameful king? She despised King David so much that she missed the main event. She missed the King of Glory coming in. She missed the Ark coming in. Hey, okay, so, so it's. it's, it's uh, imagine going for a wedding. Now, a wedding is a, is a time where you celebrate the marriage between the bride and the groom. But you go for this wedding and you get upset. Why? Because of the colour of the man's socks. Now oh, that's how silly Micah was. God has come into her city. But she missed out the main events. She missed out celebrating that God has come near because of her pride towards David. And compared to her, David and all Israel, their focus is on welcoming the King of Glory in Jerusalem. In verse 17, David honoured God by offering sacrifices to him. And then, God, then David blessed the people and gave, gave each one gifts. It's a happy day for David, for the people. And then David went, returned home intending to bless his family. Only for Michael to come out, to unleash from her mouth all that pent-up scorn that was stewing in her heart. So verse 20, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half-naked in full view of slave girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. She says, David, why are you shamefully dancing without your royal robes? Everyone will think of you shamefully. No one will recognize you as king. But listen to David's reason. Verse 21. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel I will celebrate before the Lord I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes But by by these slave girls you spoke of I will be held in honour David's dancing wasn't for the slave girls it was before the Lord it was for God because God David so much good because God had given David that God chose David to, to be king and that choice didn't change even though David sinned. And God would honour this merciful God with his humility. And he would be even more undignified and this even more humiliated lower himself some more so that God will be more exalted. And God will be lifted up more. And I want you to also notice the order of things. You see, God didn't choose David because David was humble. No, David was humble because God chose him. But God's choice came first, and God, David, would humiliate himself even more in service of this great God. His humiliation would not change God's choice of him as king. In fact, it would strengthen. He strengthened his kingship under Saul. Uh, sorry, under God, so that the slave girls who honor God will also honor David that God chose. I'm not sure what Michael's reply was, I don't think she was convinced. She despised God by despising God's choice, David. And when she despised God, God acts in judgment, just like with Uzzah. So in verse 23, she remained childless. Now David humbled himself and rejoiced because God is merciful. And friends, you and I have access to the same mercy from God. See, we receive mercy from Jesus. This is what First Peter says. But you are a royal people, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the first part of the passage tells us who we are because we trust in Jesus, because we rely on Jesus as our King. Jesus makes us chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. And the second sentence tells us that we have received God's mercy. Before we believed in Jesus, we were not God's people. We did not receive God's mercy. But after we we, submit to Jesus as our King, we become God's people and we have received God's mercy. Our response to all that, the purpose of all that, is in the middle of the passage. This has done so much for us. Because we have received mercy, Clare God's praises. Praise God like David. Joyfully tell others who God is. Tell others what Jesus has done. Now this might mean humiliating yourself to tell people here and abroad about Jesus. And this is what I mean, humbling yourself to exalt Christ to the next generation. Or spending time talking to younger people, um, hanging out with them at morning tea, to, so that you can tell them about Jesus. Uh, at the last man's ministry, we were encouraged to tell others about Jesus. Okay, don't scan this QR code, the event's over. Okay. But I heard that uh, someone shared uh, that he would uh, ch- chat with a non-Christian every Monday, Maybe at a provision shop or somewhere nearby. So that you can build relationships to tell that person about Jesus. Or maybe that's something you may consider. Uh, maybe you can have uh, Jesus Monday, where we declare God's praises uh, on Monday. So, Monday, maybe, maybe tomorrow, you can look for, you see if you can speak to uh, someone who doesn't know Jesus to let the person, to build a relationship with that person, hopefully, to tell that person about Jesus. Now, this isn't uh, a a legalistic thing that you must tell someone about Jesus. But because God is so good to us, we want to be committed to telling people about who Jesus is, about what Jesus has done for us. My friends, I also want us to hear the warning of Michael. Now, whether we follow Jesus or not, we can spend a lot of time despising someone else's worship that we lose sight Of who God is. We lose sight of the Lord that they worship. And we forget to worship God ourselves. There was once I was at a Christian wedding for a friend from another church. Now I listened to a sermon for the first couple of minutes. I know this sermon confirmed lousy. So uh, what I did is instead of listening to what the preacher had to say, I uh, proudly took out my Bible and started reading for myself. What happened? What was in my heart? Pride. I despised the other preacher. I proudly ignored what the preacher had to say based on whatever he had said in the first couple of minutes. On top of that, I despised brothers' word of God. Now, what I should have done is I should have listened to what he had to say because his sermon is his act of worship to God. Maybe he has some nuggets of wisdom and helpful things to say to help me praise God, but I missed out on all that because of my pride. Perhaps after the sermon, I could have spoken to him gently uh, to tell, uh, if it's appropriate, to tell him uh, there are some things that were, that were that he can improve on. But what I did was wrong. My attitude was that I despised him, and we can despise the ministry choices of others because of our pride like Michael and when we do that we might be despising the God they worship and we miss out on God ourselves God is near so approach him through prayer and the word God is holy so approach him with obedience and reverence God is merciful so approach him with humility and rejoicing now you might feel that you don't deserve to come near to God because of your sin if that's you today, I hope uh, this children's song helps you. God is a Holy God by Emu Music. God is a Holy God. We can't be friends because of our sin. Jesus died to wash us clean when we put our trust in Him.
3: And when we put our trust in Him, God opens His arms and welcomes us in. Let's pray.
0: You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. You created all things, and by your will, they were created in being. Father, you have spoken to us through your word. Your word that goes up from your mouth, nor return to you empty, but accomplish in us what you desire, and achieve the purpose for which you sent it. For your glory and our growth, in Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Thank you, Pastor Nick, for explaining God's word to us. Now, one of the things we do in BDBC is after that, just to reflect on what we've heard and uh, just to share with each other. So we're just going to have a few minutes. There are two questions here to reflect. And this chat with next to you. If you're a regular, grab someone that you have to and just have a chat for a while. The two questions are, what characteristics of God was most striking To you and how does this affect the way you approach God? I think Nick mentioned three and each of them he mentioned two ways to approach God. Um so that's the first question, and second, in what ways might we despise others for following Jesus? So just take a couple of minutes and I'll be back shortly uh to discuss. Right.
2: Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information visit us online at busypc.sg.